Tonight, another cold case from the Metro Police Homicide Files. It's a murder from 1973. Stabbed multiple times. In a cold case murder that's baffled them for 45 years. Authorities left with next to nothing to solve this crime. If you have any information that could bring some answers and closure to the family, please contact... For, for humans who want to do something like this to another human. Stabbed multiple times. So frustrating terrible. with no, very little evidence, no answers decades later. It's hard to imagine. As we've seen, some of these cases recently even have been solved all these decades later. So let's hope somebody knows something. And comes forward. Welcome to the Searching for Closure podcast. On today's case file, I wanted to tell you about a murder that happened in Racine just a few weeks before Tina's murder. A couple listeners brought it to my attention, and I think it helps speak to a bigger picture, which I'll touch upon at the end of the episode. This is a murder of seven-year-old Rose Marie Annan. On Friday morning, March 2nd, 1973, A 10-year-old girl was walking to school when a car approached her. It slowly came to a stop, then started to move a bit before changing his mind and stopping again. When the door opened, a man inside told her to get inside the car. Luckily, the girl didn't say anything. Instead, she just ran as fast as she could to school. Around the same time that the girl arrived at school, Rosemarie was seen walking to her school. She was only half a block away when a car pulled up and she vanished without a trace. For over a day and a half, thousands of volunteers searched everywhere for Rose until on Sunday, March 4th, her body was found in an abandoned refrigerator in a small dump in northwestern Racine. She had been strangled to death. Her body was fully clothed except for a little foot which only had on a sock. Her other foot had on a red boot with a shoe inside of it. Let's rewind all the way back to that Friday morning, March 2nd. At 6 a.m., a man named Jack Bailey was released from jail after spending the night on a drunken charge. Around 9.30 that morning, his sister saw him sleeping in the back of his car in the front yard of her farm. That farm was only five miles from Rose's school. Jack finally went inside around 11 a.m., and he stayed in bed until 7 o'clock the following morning, only getting up briefly to eat dinner. Around 11.30 that Saturday, a deputy sheriff observed a car weaving on Highway C, about six miles from the intersection of Highway 45. The car had a headlight out, and the deputy thought maybe that's why the car was weaving in the dense fog. The driver was identified as Jack Bailey. He was issued a warning and was sent on his way. The next morning, Sunday, March 4th, at about 9.17 a.m., just hours before Rose's body would be found, another deputy sheriff found Jack Bailey's car stuck in the mud, not far from where it was seen the night before. Lying behind the vehicle was a red boot with a shoe inside, both of which matched the ones worn by little Rose. When the car was found, the front seat was pushed forward, allowing access to the back seat. The deputy found footprints in the mud leading away from the car. The sheriff 
who was conducting an air patrol for Rose, proceeded to the abandoned car by helicopter and searched the area from air. About a mile northeast of Bailey's car, across several fields, the sheriff spotted the dump. They landed and searched through the rubble until they eventually discovered the body inside the refrigerator. Police searched the farm that Bailey was staying at and found an old mattress in a chicken coop. They cut out a portion which appeared to be stained with blood. Testing revealed that the portion of the mattress contained semen and type AB blood, the same type that Rose had. Fun fact, only 3% of the general population have type AB blood. I could go into the grisly details of the girl's autopsy, but I would prefer not to. The bottom line is that she died from being strangled with a rope, which was still around her neck, and she showed signs of sexual assault, but the possibility of penetration was not certain. Bailey stood trial for five days, and on May 27th, after seven hours of deliberation, the jury convicted him on three charges. He was sentenced to life plus 11 years in prison. In addition to the mandatory life sentence on the murder charge, he was also sentenced to eight years on a charge of enticing the young girl with intent to commit a sexual crime, and also three years on a charge of attempting to entice the first 10-year-old girl into an auto with intent to commit a sexual crime. The seven-woman and five-man jury found Bailey innocent on taking indecent liberties with Rose. Bailey showed no emotion as the sentence was read. He would be up for parole after 13 years and nine months, but Jack would never see the light of day. He passed away in prison on February 21st, 2007. So, I had a few listeners wonder if Bailey could have been guilty of killing Tina. I 100% do not believe he had anything to do with Tina. I guess say this as a fact within five minutes of reading the first news article. You might be asking yourself, how could I possibly know this? Well, if you were paying attention, you would also know. And if you did know from the very first time I said it, then congratulations. You see, he was taken into custody on March 5th. As of March 22nd, he was still being held on a $500,000 bond. On April 3rd, he appeared again as he was still being held in jail. So, if he was in jail on March 27th, then he couldn't have possibly killed Tina. Plus, Bailey used strangulation and possible sexual assault, and he was a drunken idiot. Whoever killed Tina used a stabbing weapon and went into overdrive, and despite stripping her of all her clothing, it does not appear that she was sexually assaulted. So, why am I even covering this case? Well, despite knowing that he had nothing to do with Tina's murder, I thought it was important to talk about the idea of stranger danger. Jack Bailey tried to lure two different girls into his car. The first child was fortunate enough to run away from him, and I'm sure the thought of what could have happened haunts her for the rest of her life. The second innocent child, Little Rose, was not as lucky. See, while expressing danger of strangers is a good thing to do, it also overlooks a more pressing problem. You see, child abduction by strangers is actually pretty rare. 
90% of all harm to children is done by someone they know. Telling kids to not talk to strangers is really a failure to protect them. It might be easy to blame a faceless stranger or a boogeyman, but it doesn't confront the truth of domestic violence, incest, and other types of abuse. Also, it's kind of confusing for kids. I mean, who's the stranger? The new first grade teacher or the nurse that they just met? I mean, who should they be afraid of? You know, everyone they don't know? In my opinion, when you prevent kids from meeting new people, it also prevents them from developing real skills, such as being able to spot bad situations. Now, you should definitely explain to kids that people they meet might not want what's best for them. Just teach them to recognize their gut feeling and trust their instincts. Teach them that the uneasy feeling that they feel is an uh-oh feeling. And remind them if they ever get that feeling, they should tell someone they trust. So even if it turns out as nothing, I mean, it's better to be safe than sorry. Also, instead of strangers, some parents refer to bad people as tricky people. This shows kids that it's not how well the child knows someone. It's what the person says or does that makes them tricky. They might want the child to keep a secret or do other things that makes them feel uncomfortable. It's always a good idea to teach your children that they should not accept rides from strangers. Adults have no business trying to get a child in a car. If they are in that situation, teach them to run away or scream until maybe another adult can help. Also, explain to them that bad people or tricky people can look like anyone. It could even be another kid. A third of all abuse is committed by minors against another minor, and 10% of those offenders are female. It's also extremely important to teach kids who and who cannot touch their bodies. And they can leave those unwanted situations at any time. Have them practice saying no. And most importantly, let your child know that you have their back. It has to be extremely scary for a child to tell on an adult or say no to an adult. So if that child knows that his parents will back him or her up and support them, then it might not be as scary to say no to unwanted physical contact. That's why I decided to report on Jack Bailey, to hopefully educate some people on educating their children in hopes of keeping them safe. That's all for this week's case file. I'll be back next week in what's either going to be a really interesting episode for you or a very sick and disgusting episode that might make you vomit or you might just be so bored that you fall asleep or turn it off. But you know what won't make you fall asleep? An audiobook that you're actually interested in. Currently, I'm listening to Nosferatu by Joe Hill. Yeah, that's Stephen King's son. And apparently there's a show out right now based on the book, which I'm definitely going to check out once I finish the audiobook. As you probably know, I use Audible to listen, and I strongly recommend it. You can download this book for free or choose from any of the 180,000 books that Audible has. Plus, you also get two free Audible originals. Just go to audibletrial.com closure to get a free month 
plus basically three free audiobooks. That's audibletrial.com slash closure. And of course, you can cancel at any time. If you prefer something else besides just listening to podcasts or audiobooks, you should definitely check out Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer is a murder mystery box that sucks you in and does not spit you out. It just keeps chewing and chewing until you find your own way out. Every month, you get a new box delivered to your door by a serial killer. As you sift through the piles of documents and evidence and audio recordings and case files, you have to try to eliminate suspects. And eventually, if you're smart enough, then you catch the killer, just like I'm trying to do. You can play Hunt a Killer with your friends, your significant other, or all by yourself. However you want to play, it's up to you. To skip the application process, just go to huntakiller.com slash audio and use promo code CLOSURE at checkout to save 20% on your first box. By using these two sponsors, you support this podcast because all proceeds will be going towards spreading the word about Tina. And as I always say, the more eyes that look at this case, the better the chances are that they'll see something that all of us have missed. That's all for this week. Don't forget to follow me on the three major networks of social media. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, I'm at Closure Podcast. You can get all those links, plus news articles and updates and merchandise at searchingforclosure.com. Until next week, thank you for listening.